Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com, home to over 300 premium podcasts annually, talking about all things Dynasty, from players to strategy to trading, everything you need to have your best season yet. There's a UTH trade calculator loaded with more than a dozen formats uh, and, and three team settings. So everything, again, to dominate your Dynasty trade market. And Katie, uh, we're starting to get some opt-outs. I, I saw pretty much the first notable one um, is Devin Funchess. Uh, that came out, and I'm sure we won't, yeah, we might get another name, but it seems like you know if you record a Thursday or Friday show this week, you're obviously going to have probably more names trickling out. Every, every hour, it feels like we're in a new environment of if you ask the question, where are we now, whether it's sports, and now we're going to be getting obviously a lot more NFL-centric and player-centric news. But uh, but Devin, uh, Devin Funchess, again, another opportunity. He had one with the Colts last year on a one-year deal, got hurt right away. Uh, this year, opting out from a potentially lucrative uh, and keep you on the radar for your career uh, situation there with the wide receiver two spot up for grabs in Green Bay. Now you got to think it's Alan Lazard or bust in terms of if there is a viable non-Devante Adams. So it seems like we've been saying that for three years. But um, if there is a, a, a secondary viable receiver there, um, it seems like it's Lazard or uh, question mark slash uh, desert land um, if it isn't. Yeah, and I had to – I'm in a draft right now, and I had to just go – change my auto pick uh Corey Davis is on the pup list um so I don't know it says active slash pup list yeah that I mean th- I don't know that's gonna be that... common he'll probably be working out you know at some point by probably yeah you know at, going but through I... it the, the ramp up's gonna be pretty slow so yeah that active one you know if it's it's if it's gonna be inactive or if it slips into the season I think that's definitely something to uh to monitor is it a it's a so it's a combined draft it's a uh, best ball. It's a. It's just like the Scott Fish Bowl rules, but it's uh, all ladies. We're raising money to help oh, okay. towards the fantasy cares. So it's just a best ball league. But you know, it's like I still would rather. I've got other options in my pre-draft list. I might as well just take him out for now and and just see what happens. Yeah, and and you know what? Yeah, that news slips slips a few more rounds. You never know. Maybe you'll pick him back up. Uh, with uh, you know, with a later round, um, I wanted to get because we we talked for a few minutes before we started recording that uh, Katie uh, dove back into her personal data cave here. Um, you know, I always love to see it when uh, you know we, we I started getting as many texts in a like two week span from you in uh, a single hour or single evening, <laughs> seemingly, which is always which is always fun and. To no one's surprise, you know, if you're kind of wondering what Katie researched, you would not probably be surprised that it was the transition from high school to college to pro, uh, basically the Devi rabbit hole, the evaluative and scouting uh, rabbit hole of that entire 
uh, prospect process. I'm not going to try to say that again. Uh, but Katie, what was sort of, if you had a hypothesis or a, here was my working question that you wanted to evaluate, answer, research, et cetera. So just talk through the entire process of, of how you got started um, and some of the nuggets you found uh, of, of interest so far. Yes. Yeah, so I've been coaching a UTH listener the last couple of weeks. They had a startup draft and the Devi picks and uh, the rookie players were in the draft, but the Devi pick slots were in the draft as well. And each team can have up to six. And so I helped coach them through some trades, trading back, gaining more assets, talking about the Steph Curry, that no Devi pick is out of range to hit on us, you know, a player that could be a viable fantasy starter. And so the conversation over the last two to three weeks, and now he's preparing for his Debbie draft and he's been asking me for homework. So I've given him some video to watch of certain guys. And I said, at this pick, you should be looking at this group of players and give them some, you know, guys to take a look at. And then we started talking about expectations and I, I do. I did have to remind him that his expectations, I think, were a little bit too high, and for what a Devi player hit is. There's several different things that make a a Devi player a hit. It depends on how long you've got to hold him on your taxi squad for one thing. But if you can trade him for higher value than what you got him for, that's a win. If you uh, if the player gets hyped and you can trade him for a lot more. Or for a stable veteran, especially when it comes to super flex and quarterback, if you can trade a Debbie quarterback that's getting hype in college uh, and flip them for a more stable middle-aged veteran and then plus something, including another Debbie pick, even if it's a third round or fourth round or whatever pick, that is a good avenue to, to look at. And then, of course, if they make it all the way to the NFL and their first or second round pick, that's a win uh, if, if they become a viable fantasy starter. Now, the chances of you hitting a stud can be anywhere in the draft. You're looking for high-impact profiles, uh, but to always be looking for upside or juice or if they're not Saquon Barkley, I don't want them kind of thing, I think that's a little bit too high of expectations. Y- you you know, not everybody is perfect. Their profile may may not be perfect, but if they're a worker, there's a very good chance that they will improve. Saquon Barkley is a very good example. And I sent him uh, an article about the, the rise of Saquon Barkley and showed him a couple of drafts from when he was a freshman. He was untouched. Nobody picked him in Debbie. But then as a sophomore, boom, he was he was in the top 12. He was right there in the limelight because he had such a good freshman season. But he was a hard worker. He ran a 4.63 at a high school combine. 4.63. And he only weighed 190 pounds. But then he came back for a sophomore year. He weighed more and he was faster. When he uh, timed in the NFL combine, man, now he's fast as lightning and he's bigger. So it can happen. uh, But you're you're looking for the strong profile. He had a strong profile. And if you would have taken a chance on him as a freshman, you would have gotten him in the last round of a very deep draft because nobody was taking him. So so that was the kinds of things that got me thinking about, okay, this is a super flex. I've looked at Devi from a hit rate perspective of 
college players that were on the Devi radar versus getting drafted and, and that perspective. But I've never really fully looked at it from the perspective of hit rate of them being either five-star or four-star or three-star or less. And so this time around, as I'm building my spreadsheet, I was I was looking at, okay, who were the top prospects in the class, the top five at each position for each class from the year 2000 up until now, high school 2000 class, and where were the hits putting in the now that we know, now that we know Russell Wilson is a, is a big success, where was he when he was you know, just coming out of high school, getting into college and, and what did his college career look like? And, you know, it's just been kind of very interesting results. Let me uh, tell you that the top 12 in Dynasty ADP right now or rankings in most people's rankings, these are the top 12. And, and this is just an example of why we dig deep when it comes to Debbie and we want as many shares as we want to fill our taxi squads because you're not going to hit on everybody. The the hit rates, especially at quarterback, are very, very marginal. But you build a big, deep portfolio of the best prospects that you can and try to improve that hit rate, build that uh, uh, taxi squad up. So the top 12 players in Superflex, where they're ranked entering uh, college by 247, Patrick Mahomes, three-star, Lamar Jackson, three-star, Christian McCaffrey, four-star, Barkley, uh, Saquon Barkley, four-star, Michael Thomas, three-star, Deshaun Watson, four-star, Dak Prescott, three-star, Alvin Kamara, four-star, Russell Wilson, three-star, Ezekiel Elliott, four-star, Devontae Adams, two-star, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, four-star. But what's even more interesting is looking at the guys that were at the top of the class in those classes. Who did the consensus for the rankers feel was the number one quarterback the year that Mahomes and Watson, they were both in the same high school recruiting class. It was Kyle Allen, the guy that was the backup for the Carolina Panthers that played nine games last year in relief of Cam Newton when he got injured, who is now a backup in Washington uh, he was the number one quarterback prospect. Josh Rosen was the top quarterback prospect in Lamar Jackson's class. And he's played one NFL uh, game as a starter. He's already on his second team. And right now he's buried. He's the third quarterback. So who knows if he ever gets a chance. Damian Harris was the top running back in Saquon Barkley's class. George Farmer was the top wide receiver in Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams' class. Jeff Driscoll was the number one quarterback in Dak Prescott's class. When you told me that, I, I just, I mean, I couldn't, I, like Jeff Driscoll, I remember him from running around. I think he had a spot start on Thanksgiving or something. Like it was a very strange, he was with the Bengals. Like that guy was a five star. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Unbel- and he was number one. I know that the was position. the unbelievable thing that, that of, 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 of so many of the, the information drops about singular players. That was the one I was like, Jeff Driscoll, huh? Yeah. And then Thomas Tyner was the top running back in Ezekiel Elliott and Alvin Kamara's class. Jimmy Clausen was a top quarterback in Russell Wilson's class. And Kyle Prater was the top wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins' class. So not not only do you not have a five-star in the top 12 
rankings for Dynasty Superflex Fantasy Football. I'm also putting together uh, top five seasons or top five weeks. I'm sorry, not seasons. Um, top five weeks. Thankfully, at Football Guys, they've got a nice database where you can sort and filter from XYZ date to XYZ date the number of top five weeks at any position. So at any singular position. And uh, then I did, so I did top five weeks, top 12 weeks, and top 24 weeks. Because in Superflex, if you're in the top 24 and you produce a really high number of top 24 finishes, that's a pretty good Superflex quarterback. And sure, everybody wants top 12, top five, but it's interesting to see the top five, there's as many three-star and less quarterbacks in the 20-year range that I was looking at that produced top five weeks. Patrick Mahomes is three-star, so is Lamar Jackson. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a three-star. Russell Wilson is a three-star. I mean, most of the guys that we're thinking, Dak Prescott is a three-star. Most of the guys that we think of as fantasy studs are three-star quarterbacks coming out of high school going into college and the interesting thing the other thing that drove me to start this data cave dive a couple of months ago I was talking to somebody on Twitter and they're like well I would take Joe Burrow as number one no matter what in Superflex because I don't want to miss out on a stud and I'm thinking well how often does that really happen where the number one quarterback actually is the number one fantasy stud like Mitch Trubisky was the number one quarterback Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson have both become you know fantasy studs and have a lot of top five weeks between them but they were they were in super flex rookie drafts a lot cheaper um and and I'd honestly, in this particular class, there's four or five running backs that I'd rather have than Joe Burrow anyway. But the likelihood, and Joe Burrow, by the way, was a four-star. He's got a completely different path. But it's just interesting that most of the time, the guys that start off as the number one overall coming into college, and there's only been two of them in that 20-year period, Matt Stafford and Jameis Winston were number one overall. And they ended up number one overall in the NFL draft. There were three others that were number one overall that ended up in the first round. And and so it's very un, highly unlikely that like next year we're talking about Trevor Lawrence, who's number one overall coming out of high school, and Justin Fields, number two overall coming out of high school. If they go back to back, in the NFL draft, that's going to be unprecedented. Never, well, at least in the 20-year, and and I don't even know if it has happened beyond that. I do know that the scouting uh, from 1999 and even in 2000, the 247, they instead of doing the top 100 at every position, they only did about a dozen at each position. So their star system, their ranking system prior to the year 2000, completely different than it is now. I don't know that we would have those kind of statistical results anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely breaks down in terms of the, uh, the accuracy and comfort level you feel when you go back. I always notice, you know, even some of those, uh, the workouts and things like that, when you get closer and closer to 2000 and especially right around that range, it just is a 
complete uh, departure from what we're used to now over the last especially 10 years. And it's or a so. different game too, so yeah. I don't know that the data really right. before that means a whole lot anyway. Right. And that's enough of a sample size for sure, especially if you're talking yeah. college yeah. landscape. I mean, it's 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 bigger than NFL draft landscape, it's bigger than, you know, NFL combine landscape and NFL all those things. Just a giant giant pool. Well, great stuff, Katie. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the Devi Devi landscape, there's so much it feels like uh, so many different avenues because it's an under-analyzed, in my view, um, genre and and player population for for dynasty. That it's really something you can exploit. And and we always say, I, I actually, it's uh, it's David Dodds who has a, I think it's an eliminate the suck, like the phrase eliminate yeah. the suck. And we kind of talk in those eliminate the suck kind of tones where it's you know let's gravitate more towards positions with with better hit rates better predictability um you know more picks are better than less picks i mean there are very generalized uh, guidelines you can live by um and really it's almost agnostic to you know we're not even talking maybe granular of what player should i pick but there's already ways to filter your way to to better results in Deviland for sure yeah and you know i'm i'm also digging into we have more Devi rankings out there uh, on Twitter and at different various sites now than we did even five years ago, even, you know, 10 years ago. And so it's interesting to go back and look at what we had at the time. And sure enough, Kyle Allen was being touted as the number six overall Devi quarterback prospect and Patrick Mahomes didn't even make the top. 30 and this is after their freshman season where Patrick Mahomes had a good freshman season he had a better freshman season than Kyle Allen did but Kyle Allen was at Texas A&M Pat Mahomes was at Texas Tech and hadn't really uh, you know he he really started dominating his sophomore he had a great sophomore and junior year and then he came out but uh, you know it's just interesting the guys that we learn about in our Devi rankings and then there's so many more that we either don't even hardly scratch the surface on or you know because they're a small school or because they're a two or a three star we kind of in our heads just kind of give them the eh you know this guy's five star and he's being he's on this list as number six overall i'd be stupid to take this other guy over this guy like you don't go with your gut that's why i like the deeper debbie because the rankings only really go the first couple of rounds they're starting to go deeper uh debbie watch does a really good job of going super deep and uh you know i think that's as that kind of takes away your own creativity if you will and it makes you feel the pressure of well you know I know it's the wild west and anybody can go at any time but I I you got to stick a poker chip on a player and and just go for it I remember when uh, the draft was starting to run a little bit thin of top prospects and rather than go for a riskier further out pick I went with a guy out of Toledo very small school named Kareem Hunt and it was because Chad, you had written up a, a, you had a Devi ranking and you were just starting to get into Devi rankings and seeing him on that list just kind of piqued my curiosity. I watched some tape and I was like, wow, this guy, you know, he's, he's not bad. And, and he stacks up as far as visually to the other guys and he's got the size. So why not take a chance on him? And he ended up paying off for me 
in spades. I did end up trading him before he ended up getting suspended, uh, which, you know, Devi and any dynasty is all about timing. Uh, you don't know when a player is going to turn into a hot potato overnight because of something they did off the field or whatever. Uh, so if you're if you're lucky and you time it right, the problem is with dynasty rookies as well as with Devi. Once you hit on a guy, you kind of want him on your roster. You don't really want to let him go, and then unless you get a really good godfather type offer and then you may wait too long uh or uh you know you just you want them because it's super flex and you hit on this quarterback and now i need him like to get me fantasy points yeah absolutely and and i like those um those deeper um debbie leagues for the same reason you just said which is it goes beyond what a lot of people are able to find i mean if you find you know you can find a decent number of say top 30 top 50 type or top 75 devi lists but when you have leagues that go out 100 and something or 200 players at any point in time you're going to be going deeper than that you know every single year and like you said um you know you can get those later picks you can take your shots and uh just more nuance to to taking like you said those guys that are maybe productive but off the radar maybe they haven't produced but they're kind of on the radar you know those type under the helmet you do your thing all right don't be nervous okay the show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football it's the moment right here we're gonna have to decide what, what type of team we want to be building dynasties each and every week i don't even know your name what's your name chad parsons telling you man you leading the league in hydration I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com, home to over 300 premium podcasts annually, talking about all things dynasty, from players to strategy to trading, everything you need to have your best season yet. There's a UTH trade calculator loaded with more than a dozen formats uh, and, and three team settings. So everything, again, to dominate your dynasty trade market. And Katie, uh, we're starting to get some opt-outs. I, I saw pretty much the first notable one um, is Devin Funchess. Uh, that came out, and I'm sure we won't. Yeah, we might get another name, but it seems like you know if you record a Thursday or Friday show this week, you're obviously going to have probably more names trickling out every every hour. It feels like we're in a new environment of if you ask the question, "Where are we now?" Whether it's sports, and now we're going to be getting obviously a lot more. NFL centric and player centric news, but uh, but Devin uh, Devin Funchess again another opportunity he had one with the Colts last year on a one year deal got hurt right away uh, this year opting out from a potentially lucrative uh, and keep you on the radar for your career uh, situation there with the wide receiver two spot up for grabs in Green Bay now you got to think it's Alan Lazard or bust in terms of if there is a viable non Devonte Adams it seems like we've been saying that for three years but um, if there is a, a, a second secondary viable receiver there um it seems like it's lazard or uh, question mark slash uh desert land um if it isn't yeah and i had to i'm in a draft right now and i had to just go change my auto pick uh cory davis is on the pup list um 
so I don't know. It says active slash pup list. Yeah, that, I mean, th- I don't know. That's if gonna be that... common. He'll probably be working out, you know, at some point by probably. Yeah, you know, at, going but through I... it. The, the ramp up's gonna be pretty slow. So yeah, that active one. You know, if it's it's if it's gonna be inactive or if it slips into the season, I think that's definitely something to uh, to monitor. Is it a? It's a so it's a combined draft. It's a uh, best ball. It's a. It's just like the Scott Fish Bowl rules, but it's uh, all ladies. We're raising money to help oh, okay. towards the fantasy cares. So it's just a best ball league. But you know, it's like I still would rather. I've got other options in my pre-draft list. I might as well just take him out for now and and just see what happens. Yeah, and and you know what? Yeah, that news slips slips a few more rounds. You never know. Maybe you'll pick him back up. Uh, with uh, you know, with a later round, um, I wanted to get because we we talked for a few minutes before we started recording that uh, Katie uh, dove back into her personal data cave here. Um, you know, I always love to see it when uh, you know we I started getting as many texts in a like two week span from you in uh, a single hour or single evening, <laughs> seemingly, which is always which is always fun. And to no one's surprise, you know, if you're kind of wondering what Katie researched, you would not probably be surprised that it. Was was the transition from high school to college to pro, uh, basically the Devi rabbit hole, the evaluative and scouting uh, rabbit hole of that entire uh, prospect process. I'm not going to try to say that again. Uh, but Katie, what was sort of, if you had a hypothesis or a here was my working question that you wanted to evaluate, answer, research, etc. So just talk through the entire process of, of how you got started um, and some of the nuggets you found uh, of, of interest so far. Yeah, so I've been coaching a UTH listener the last couple of weeks. They had a startup draft and the Devi picks and uh, the rookie players were in the draft, but the Devi pick slots were in the draft as well. And each team can have up to six. And so I helped coach them through some trades, trading back, gaining more assets, talking about the Steph Curry that no Devi pick is out of range to hit on a, you know, a player that could be a viable fantasy starter. And so the conversation over the last two to three weeks, and now he's preparing for his Devi draft and he's been asking me for homework. So I've given him some video to watch of certain guys. And I said, at this pick, you should be looking at this group of players and give them some, you know, guys to take a look at. And then we started talking about expectations and I, I do, I did have to remind him that his expectations, I think were a little bit too high and for what a Devi player hit, is there's several different things that make a a devi player a hit it depends on how long you've got to hold them on your taxi squad for one thing but if you can trade them for higher value than what you got them for that's a win if you uh if the player gets hyped and you can trade them for a lot more or for a stable veteran especially when it comes to super flex and quarterback if you can trade a devi quarterback that's getting hype in college uh, and flip them for a more stable middle-aged veteran and then plus something, including another Devi pick, even if it's a third round or fourth round or whatever pick, that is a good avenue to, to look at. And then, of course, if they make it all the way to the NFL and their first or second round pick, that's a win. Uh, if, if they become a viable fantasy starter. Now, the chances of you hitting a stud, 
can be anywhere in the draft. You're looking for high impact profiles, uh, but to always be looking for upside or juice or if they're not Saquon Barkley, I don't want them kind of thing. I think that's a little bit too high of expectations. You, you know, not everybody is perfect. Their profile may, may not be perfect, but if they're a worker, there's a very good chance that they will improve. Saquon Barkley is a very good example. And I sent him uh, an article about the the rise of Saquon Barkley and showed him a couple of drafts from when he was a freshman. He was untouched. Nobody picked him in Debbie. But then as a sophomore, boom, he was he was in the top 12. He was right there in the limelight because he had such a good freshman season. But he was a hard worker. He ran a 4.63 at a high school combine. 4.63. And he only weighed 190 pounds. But then he, he came back for a sophomore year. He weighed more and he was faster. When he uh, timed in the NFL combine, man, now he's fast as lightning and he's bigger. So it can happen. Uh, but you're you're looking for the strong profile. He had a strong profile. And if you would have taken a chance on him as a freshman, you would have gotten him in the last round of a very deep draft because nobody was taking him. So so that was the kinds of things that got me thinking about, okay, this is a super flex. I've looked at Devi from a hit rate perspective of college players that were on the Devi radar versus getting drafted and and that perspective but I've never really fully looked at it from the perspective of hit rate of them being either five star or four star or three star or less and so this time around as I'm building my spreadsheet I was I was looking at okay who were the top prospects in the class the top five at each position for each class from the year 2000 up until now high school 2000 class and where were the hits putting in the now that we know now that we know Russell Wilson is a is a big success where was he when he was you know just coming out of high school getting into college and and what did his college career look like and you know it's just been kind of very interesting results let me uh, tell you that the top 12 in Dynasty ADP right now, or rankings, in most people's rankings. These are the top 12. And and this is just an example of why we dig deep when it comes to Debbie, and we want as many shares as we want to fill our taxi squads, because you're not going to hit on everybody. The, The hit rates, especially at quarterback, are very, very marginal. But you build a big, deep portfolio of the best prospects that you can and try to improve that hit rate, build that uh, uh, taxi squad up. So the top 12 players in Superflex, where they're ranked entering uh, college by 247, Patrick Mahomes, three-star, Lamar Jackson, three-star, Christian McCaffrey, four-star, Barkley, uh, Saquon Barkley, four-star, Michael Thomas, three-star, Deshaun Watson, four-star, Dak Prescott, three-star, Alvin Kamara, four-star, Russell Wilson, three-star, Ezekiel Elliott, four-star, Devontae Adams, two-star, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, four-star. But what's even more interesting is looking at the guys that were at the top of the class in those classes. Who did the consensus for the rankers feel was the number one 
quarterback the year that Mahomes and Watson, they were both in the same high school recruiting class. It was Kyle Allen, the guy that was the backup for the Carolina Panthers that played nine games last year in relief of Cam Newton when he got injured, who is now a backup in Washington. Uh, He was the number one quarterback prospect. Josh Rosen was the top quarterback prospect in Lamar Jackson's class. And he's played one NFL Uh, game as a starter he's already on his second team and right now he's buried he's the third quarterback so who knows if he ever gets a chance Damian Harris was the top running back in Saquon Barkley's class George Farmer was the top wide receiver in Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams class Jeff Driscoll was the number one quarterback in Dak Prescott's class. When you told me that, I, I just, I mean, I couldn't, I, like Jeff Driscoll, I remember him from running around. I think he had a spot start on Thanksgiving or something. Like it was a very strange, he was with the Bengals. Like that guy was a five star. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, unbel- and he was number one. I know that the was position. the unbelievable thing that, that of, 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 of so many of the, the information drops about singular players. That was the one I was like, Jeff Driscoll, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then Thomas Tyner was the top running back in Ezekiel Elliott and Alvin Kamara's class. Jimmy Clausen was a top quarterback in Russell Wilson's class. And Kyle Prater was the top wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins' class. So not not only do you not have a five-star in the top 12 rankings for Dynasty Superflex fantasy football, I'm also putting together uh, top five seasons or top five weeks. I'm sorry, not seasons. Um, top five weeks. Thankfully at football guys, they've got a nice database where you can sort and filter from XYZ date to XYZ date, the number of top five weeks at any position. So at any singular position. And, uh, then I did, so I did top five weeks, top 12 weeks and top 24 weeks because in Superflex. If you're in the top 24 and you produce a really high number of top 24 finishes, that's a pretty good super flex quarterback. And sure, everybody wants top 12, top five, but it's interesting to see the top five, there's as many three star and less quarterbacks in the 20 year range that I was looking at that produce top five weeks. Patrick Mahomes is three star. So is Lamar Jackson. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a three-star. Russell Wilson is a three-star. I mean, most of the guys that we're thinking, Dak Prescott is a three-star. Most of the guys that we think of as fantasy studs are three-star quarterbacks coming out of high school, going into college. And the interesting thing, the other thing that drove me to start this data cave dive a couple of months ago, I was talking to somebody on Twitter and they're like, well, I would take Joe Burrow as number one, no matter what in Superflex because I don't want to miss out on a stud. And I'm thinking, well, how often does that really happen where the number one quarterback actually is the number one fantasy stud? Like Mitch Trubisky was the number one quarterback. Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson have both become you know, fantasy studs and have a lot of top five weeks between them, but they were, they were in super flex rookie drafts a lot cheaper. Um, and, and I'd honestly, in this particular class, there's four or five running backs that I'd rather have than Joe Burrow anyway, but the likelihood and Joe Burrow, by the way, was a four star. Uh, he's got a completely different path, but it, it's just interesting that 
most of the time, the guys that start off as the number one overall coming into college, and there's only been two of them in that 20-year period, Matt Stafford and Jameis Winston were number one overall, and they ended up number one overall in the NFL draft. There were three others that were number one overall that ended up in the first round. And and so it's very un, highly unlikely that like next year we're talking about Trevor Lawrence, who's number one overall coming out of high school and Justin Fields, number two overall coming out of high school. If they go back to back in the NFL draft, that's going to be unprecedented. Never, well, at least in the 20 year, and, and I don't even know if it has happened beyond that. I do know that the scouting uh, from 1999 and even in 2000, the 247, they, instead of doing the top 100 at every position, they only did about a dozen at each position. So their star system, their ranking system prior to the year 2000, completely different than it is now. I don't know that we would have those kind of statistical results anyway. Yeah, yeah, it definitely breaks down in terms of the uh, the accuracy and comfort level you feel when you go back. I always notice, you know, even some of those uh, the workouts and things like that. When you get closer and closer to two thousand, and especially right around that range, it just is a complete uh, departure from what we're used to now over the last, especially ten years. And it's or a so. different game too. So yeah. I don't know that the data really right before that means a whole lot anyway. Right. And that's enough of a sample size for sure, especially if you're talking yeah. college yeah. landscape. I mean, it's 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 bigger than NFL draft landscape. It's bigger than, you know, NFL combine landscape and NFL, all those things. Just a giant, giant pool. Well, great stuff, Katie. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the Devi landscape, there's so much it feels like uh, so many different avenues because it's an underanalyzed, in my view, um, genre and and player population for for dynasty. That it's really something you can exploit. And and we always say, I, mean, I actually it's yeah. uh, it's David Dodds who has a I think it's an eliminate the suck like the phrase eliminate yeah. the suck. And we kind of talk in those eliminate the suck kind of tones where it's you know let's gravitate more towards positions with with better hit rates, better predictability. Um, you know, more picks are better than less picks. I mean, there are very generalized uh, guidelines you can live by. Um, and really, it's almost agnostic to, you know, we're not even talking maybe granular of what player should I pick, but there's already ways to filter your way to to better results in Deviland for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm also digging into, we have more Devi rankings out there uh, on Twitter and at different various sites now than we did even five years ago, even, you know, 10 years ago. And so it's interesting to go back and look at what we had at the time. And sure enough, Kyle Allen was being touted as the number six overall Debbie quarterback prospect and Patrick Mahomes didn't even make the top 30. And this is after their freshman season where Patrick Mahomes had a good freshman season. He had a better freshman season than Kyle Allen did, but Kyle Allen was at Texas A&M, Pat Mahomes was at Texas Tech, and hadn't really, uh, you know, he he really started dominating his sophomore. He had a great sophomore and junior year, and then he came out. But, uh, you know, it's just interesting, the guys that we learn about in our Debbie rankings, and then there's so many more that 
we either don't even hardly scratch the surface on or, you know, because they're a small school or because they're a two or a three star, we kind of, in our heads, just kind of give them the, eh, you know, this guy's five star and he's being, he's on this list as number six overall. I'd be stupid to take this other guy over this guy. Like you don't go with your gut. That's why I like the deeper Debbie, because the rankings only really go the first couple of rounds. They're starting to go deeper. Uh, Debbie watch does a really good job of going super deep. And, uh, you know, I think that's as that kind of takes away your own creativity if you will and it makes you feel the pressure of well you know I know it's the wild west and anybody can go at any time but I I you got to stick a poker chip on a player and and just go for it I remember when uh, the draft was starting to run a little bit thin of top prospects and rather than go for a riskier further out pick I went with a guy out of Toledo very small school named Kareem Hunt and it was because Chad, you had written up a, a, you had a Devi ranking and you were just starting to get into Devi rankings and seeing him on that list just kind of piqued my curiosity. I watched some tape and I was like, wow, this guy, you know, he's, he's not bad. And, and he stacks up as far as visually to the other guys and he's got the size. So why not take a chance on him? And he ended up paying off for me in spades. I did end up trading him before he ended up getting suspended, uh, which, you know, Devi and any dynasty is all about timing. Uh, you don't know when a player is going to turn into a hot potato overnight because of something they did off the field or whatever. Uh, so if you're, if you're lucky and you time it right, the problem is with dynasty rookies, as well as with Devi, once you hit on a guy, you kind of want him on your roster. You don't really want to let him go. And then unless you get a really good godfather type offer and then you may wait too long uh, or, uh, you know, you just you want them because it's super flex and you hit on this quarterback and now I need him like to get me fantasy points. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I like those um, those deeper um, Devi leagues for the same reason you just said, which is it goes beyond what a lot of people are able to find i mean if you find you know you can find a decent number of say top 30 top 50 type or top 75 devi lists but when you have leagues that go out 100 and something or 200 players at any point in time you're going to be going deeper than that you know every single year and like you said um you know you can get those later picks you can take your shots and uh just more nuance to to taking like you said those guys that are maybe productive but off the radar maybe they haven't produced but they're kind of on the radar you know those types of profiles where it's not so much fish in the barrel of all right we got a player they're one year out you know they were a good recruit they're at a good program they have a role they've already produced to a high level you know we've got some testing results i mean that is as close to a complete of a picture as you're going to get you know of a still in college player and, and yet, you know, when you go out beyond that, I always think back, I mean, the, the sheer difference of two months and a couple of articles by ESPN or otherwise, where we got, we got Trey Lance with like our last pick. And then all of a sudden we see drafts and it's like, you know, you almost have to do that, you know, clean your glasses. Like, am I, am I sure what I'm seeing here? Because it was before the NFL draft still. And there was a lot of, you know, 2021, what's going to happen? Here's the quarterback class. And Trey Lance, all of a sudden people are saying, oh, if go, could go on the first round maybe he's a 
top 10 pick and all this stuff. And people start taking him top 10 in Superflex Devi drafts, where it's like he wasn't going top 50, top 75 two months before that during the combine or, you know, just earlier parts. And it's just, I. Well, I, and as I recall, we also got Jamie Newman. Uh, right. who did the same thing now that he's transferred to Georgia there's a lot of speculation on him and and he's being touted I just his I just is- can't remember a a rise during the off season this wasn't like yeah. you know they had a scrimmage oh, with Alabama and he lit them up and then there's some highlights on ESPN because they did a spring practice together in March like this was literally nothing going on some articles are written that he's going to be one of the top three four quarterbacks of next year's class and all of a sudden he's anywhere and everywhere and and it's just it's it's wild. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I'm sure five years from now I'll be like, when we see a rise, it'll be like, up oh, here's a Trey Lance type situation. Like it's going to become a verb. Um, um, Katie, I did want. Go ahead. I was just going to say there's two more things I wanted to say about yeah. Devi before we move on. Uh, one, I wanted to uh, share one of my best Debbie trades that I ever made and one of my worst Debbie trades that I ever made. And the best Debbie trade that I ever made, I had just taken over an orphan and it had Malachi Dupree. It was before the NFL combine, before the NFL draft. It was his final year. And I traded him straight up for a one year younger Saquon Barkley. Uh, So that was the best trade in Debbie that I've made. My worst trade was in a triple flex where you can start three quarterbacks. I had hit on Dak Prescott in round two of a very Debbie depleted rookie draft because I had, I watch a lot of SEC football and I had liked what I had seen. I got him in the second round and then once he took over for Tony Romo, I thought it was only a temporary takeover. So I traded him for at that time, Damian Harris, KD Cannon, who hadn't, I can't remember if he had just come out as a rookie or was being very much hyped that he was about to come out. And then, and, and plus a future second round Devi pick, which ended up turning into a nobody. Uh, but that was, in hindsight, my absolute worst trade. Well, you know, you it was Dak Prescott early on, right? Had he even played yeah. for Dallas yet? Yeah, he had just taken over for Tony Romo. Yeah. And I I traded him to the Tony Romo, Romo owner, and the, in fact. And he was, nobody and else he was wanted a, to touch him. He was a day him. three. He was a day three rookie quarterback coming in to and, start. Yep, yeah. And, yeah. So, I mean, trading him itself wasn't a bad idea, but trading him for... Well, you got Damian Harris, Debbie, right, at that point in yep, time. Yeah, he was a Debbie at that point. He was, point. He was the number guy. one run, yeah. Right, and he was the number one. I mean, I liked his profile, but what I should have done is gone with the more stable, get myself a veteran quarterback right. like a Matt Ryan or somebody that's not as sexy, an aging right. In triple older, flex. Yeah. In a triple flex, right, get myself a, an older quarterback that's not highly regarded, and then plus just like that future second or something like that instead. Um, but I was swinging for the fences kind of thing, and I was thinking Dak Prescott was a hot potato at the time when he really wasn't. Yep. But you know what? I mean, the probabilities of uh, day three quarterbacks, boy. You know, I mean that. I mean to to pin it and say that I have the wherewithal to sharpshoot a Dak Prescott yeah. situation. That's <laughs> you're gonna take. You're gonna end up taking a lot of cracks. You know, over the years, and you're probably never gonna get that outcome. 
but again, being triple flex, even yeah. no, a backup yeah. quarterback is very valuable. And I just should have. Yeah. Yeah. I treated him like a hot potato and, you know, that's, that's the, that's the shakes. That's, <laughs> that's the shakes. <laughs> that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> that's right. And then I forgot what else I was going to say. There was one more. Well, you said the you said the best with Barkley. You said the worst. Yeah, and then I said the worst. But there was one more Devi thing that I was going to just say. But don't let your kids play Devi. No. Yeah. I just wanted to know. No, please do. Yeah, exactly. But just be. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, you can hit from anywhere. So having having more picks than than your league mates, and especially they'll discount them. They'll throw them in like candy in a trade, you know, you want a sixth round Debbie pick? Oh, sure. You know, that's not a deal breaker. You want a fourth round Debbie pick? Sure. It's going to be Debbie depleted anyways. It's not worth anything to me because they know the rankings only go so far and they're not willing to put in the work or whatever the reason may be. Not everybody that's in a Debbie league likes Debbie players. They don't. They, they would rather have the veteran players, um, so it works for both parties. Some people like to have a lot of them and some people don't. And that, that was, you know, you talked about trading and that's a good transition. I actually asked a question on Twitter that I got more responses than I was planning, especially now that we're 25, 30 minutes in, that um, it was, what's your boldest trade you've made since the NFL draft? So it obviously will include some, you know, mini rookie draft type trades, um, as well as some ones where people are positioning, you know, making making deals based on this season, future seasons, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'll I'll give shout outs for folks where I I know their names, but let's rapid fire through this and just if you have some thoughts in terms of, you know, the the team dynamic at play potentially here, or you know, how bold is this, you know, type um, analysis. Uh, this is from Julian. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Sammy Watkins for Cam Akers, Deontay Johnson, and a future second. So you're essentially moving down from Edwards-Alaire to Akers um, in terms of a 101, 102. And I've seen Akers go four or five, a decent amount um, in that in that order. Deontay Johnson should be a pretty easy flip if that's the side um, they were getting. I mean, I, I like the Akers side personally. I do too, but I've got Acres higher than Clyde Edwards-Alaire anyway. Yeah, but you, yeah, but. when I look at a trade, I look at what does the dynasty community at large think of XYZ player. And CEH is going at the 101 probably 30%, 35% of the time versus Jonathan Taylor. And the rest of the time, he's going at the 102. And Acres is going anywhere from 103 to 107. That's a pretty wide range. It depends on what the team needs, what the team wants. But anywhere in that zone, that's where Cam Akers lands. Uh, who was the wide receiver? It was Sammy Watkins on Watkins the... and Deontay Johnson. I think it's a pretty even trade. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I like I the Akers really... side better. I I don't think it's bold though. Yeah, by I market, mean, it... I didn't think it was that bold, and I'm actually kind of surprised that the second the second future seconds in there because it seems it seems fair without it. Yeah. Um, at least by the market. Um, so this is a, a deal, and again, another Clyde Edwards-Hilaire deal from Justin. He says, Edwards-Hilaire, Adam Thielen, and Noah Fant for George Kittle and Devontae Parker. 
Um, so it doesn't sound like it's tied in premium or anything in terms of including that in the deal. Um, so that is a lot to pay for George Kittle, and I'm notably skeptical that we're going to see some big run of Devontae Parker over the next two, three years. Yeah, uh, Parker's the kind of guy that you still have the sour taste, taste in your mouth. You know, the five-year breakout wide receiver. Um, but you're giving up. I mean, 101, Fant's worth a first. Thielen, yeah. for some, is like yeah. a first or yeah. early second for George Kittle. I mean, I just. I think I like I like the CEH side better. I think you could have. Yeah. I mean, work it. Yeah, to me, it's work a different deal. Work a different deal for. Uh, or, uh, if you if you are going to sell Edwards Alaire. Um in a one quarterback league, we've got uh, Calvin Ridley, J.K. Dobbins, and a first and a second next year for Mr. Patrick Mahomes and D.J. Moore. Whew. Yeah, so a lot of big boys in that deal. Um, yeah, I was going to say the say the first side again. Yeah, it's Rid- said- it's Ridley Dobbins, a first and a second. Um, so I was going to ask you specifically about, you know, Ridley, because he's a player that a lot of people are saying, you know, this massive top, top 10 type breakout is going to come. I mean, he's had two really good years and it's in, uh, it's in Julio Jones's shadow essentially, um, still, but I mean, do you see a lot more progression or is he going to be capped with Julio there? It's tough to say, uh, I like Matt Ryan. I like the offense. I think, I mean, I don't see that there's going to be a huge jump. Right. I mean, he's already basically an auto start, um, you know, as right. a top 20 type right. player. I pers- and I think that DJ Moore's getting a lot of hype right now is yeah. going to be the number one guy there. But um, I think the big part for me is I wouldn't pay that much for Mahomes in a start one. Like if you view Ridley and if you want to add add to Ridley for DJ Moore as part of the deal, I still wouldn't give, say Dobbins, Dobbins and like a first or a second for Mahomes. Like to me, that is very very rich in a one quarterback. Yeah, but if if you look at uh, Mahomes and his top five weeks, oh, I know he's a monster. Many- Right, he is a monster and a difference maker enough so that if if that's your if your team is a solid solid team everywhere and you're just dominating and you can afford it I would right. over, I would splash the pot for a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson and and get them it's true but if you're if you are strong everywhere and quarterback you're like eh, I'm just okay and you do this type of deal we're probably describing what 10% of 5% of teams I mean right yeah. yeah I mean if you're not strong then there's no way I'm making that deal right. absolutely none right uh, because you can stream quarterbacks you can get by you can make it work and you're giving up four pieces to, to do it exactly um, and even if the first and second end up being late because you're such a strong team uh, that's the only way that I would make that trade is if that's my fuzzy dice Right, and I'm I'm ready to roll. I've got my caddy going. Everything's built, and I want my fuzzy dice in the mirror. That's the only way that I would make that that pay up for that kind of a quarterback. A simpler deal from Zach, and I'm sure one we're going to give some thumbs up here. Uh, he gave up Aaron Jones, Justin Jefferson, and a a future second for Jonathan Taylor. Oh, easily yeah. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people. You know, I, I, the Green Bay backfield is pretty divided. You know, there's plenty of people still firmly on Aaron Jones, and they don't get why some people have soured um, 
on him overall. I don't know why people. I don't know why people are sour on him, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Insert Katie's uh, sarcastic voice there. Yeah, tongue and cheek. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So if that was, especially if that was for one hundred and one, I mean, you're talking Aaron Jones, a late first, probably for Jefferson equivalent, and a future second. Yeah. I mean, again, that's the price of getting up there. It can be tough yep. to pry the rights, the drafting rights for Jonathan Taylor out of a, an owner's dead cold hands. And uh, I mean, this, to me, this is the perfect, I mean, I like Justin Jefferson just fine, but this is this is the entry price. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jonathan Taylor, you know, he has that, you know, he could be valued as, you know, McCaffrey, Barkley, you know, up top two, three, four of a, of a startup bat draft, you know, blue chip cornerstone, everyone pretty much wants him uh, within the next 12 months. And you know, this is this is the entry price, and it's almost like pay what you need to, because it probably gets more expensive. And going back to the Debbie conversation that we had, mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor was a three-star yep. going into Wisconsin, and you had Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift and uh, a bunch of guys that were ranked a lot higher than him for a lot longer. It took him a while to burst on the Debbie scene, to where he was finally getting the respect. Uh, it took me a while to come around It took around him, what, him. multiple 2,000-yard seasons, yeah. Yeah, All that but, stuff. yeah, I mean, even even A.J. Dillon, you and I talked about him in that class many times, and we were, you know, skeptical for a man that yeah. size. Like, we had ah, seen Boston that he ran College, a pretty good— not a big recruit. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and they don't have him in the passing game all that much. Is he going to be just another— um, Andre, what's his name from the Giants? Yeah, Andre Williams, formerly. Williams, right. Andre Williams. Is he going to be just another Andre Williams? But, you know, the the, the talks of him running a good 40 weren't just a joke. That The kid's an athlete, and he's... he's well, I remember anyway, the good so, thing about Dylan is he was affordable the whole way through Debbie. I remember that. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was, he yeah, was one where it was like, absolutely. ah, second-round pick, ah, third-round pick. And it's like, even though he's producing... And uh, yep. staying on the radar firmly, um, you know, that the price never truly went up. He got passed by every new, fresh, bright lights incoming class. Yep. And Najee Harris is a lot more expensive yep. and very similar type profile. Um, he can't dream of running what, what AJ, he can't yeah. dream of that workout. No offense, Najee Harris, but yeah, yeah. Uh, again, my go-to line for Najee Harris, anytime he's mentioned, it's almost like a, uh, you know, call and response game. I have to say, I can't measure his max speed in college tape because I couldn't find a breakaway run for him. Yeah. So that either, so either he has the rarest boy, he just hasn't had the right situation yet to break a long run, or it's David Montgomery esque, where you say there's a reason he's not breaking any long runs. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, this one, I'm going to skip that one. Um, this one is from Michael. He gave up uh, three firsts next year and two seconds. So cash in those chips. He got CD Lamb and Miles Sanders with that capital. So it doesn't sound like it's super flex or anything. So we got stock format. So how do you feel about cashing in for Sanders and Lamb? They're solid. Um, <laughs> I sense pause. Well, there is there is some pause there, but I think it's fair. I I I, I don't know that uh, it's going to be way too soon. It's going to take about five years to find out if that trade. Yeah. Seriously, no, I know. CD Lamb could take three or four years uh, to really get the opportunity to be a wide receiver one. He's got a lot of mouths. There's a lot of mouths to feed in, in Dallas right now. Um, I like 
I like him. I liked him as a prospect going through the the whole uh, process. But yeah, uh, I think if Miles Sanders takes the step forward that a lot of people expect this year, you're going to feel fine about that deal. Yes, I think you absolutely would feel fine about the deal. And I, I, C.D. Lamb goes sometimes at the 103-104. So, I mean, right. with random firsts, Miles Sanders was a top three or four. And especially if a couple of those picks turn out to be back half or, yeah. you know, one's 107, one because one's 11. Because it's not super flex, that feel, back half You're going to feel like be... you stole them, I feel. You know, so right. so, it's, so it's a two-pronged thing. You know, does Sanders take the step forward? If he doesn't, and Lamb just sort of mires, you know, in a crowded passing game, and one of those, you know, and, and it ends up as 103 and 10, you know, sorry, 101 and 104, I mean, you know, you're probably not going to feel great about it. You know, not saying you couldn't still win it. Uh, but, you know, so there's a lot of leverage in this going either way. Well, and, and then the conversation is what if we don't have an NFL season right. and how are those firsts, are they just going to be mixed in a bag and, and exactly. shaken up and, or how is your league going to handle how those firsts are going to be divvied up? And it might be different uh, than how you're projecting if there is a season play ex- based on exactly, those Exactly. Exactly. So I don't know. It's just, yep. it's risky because if there is no season, we don't get to see CD lamb or Miles Sanders with his breakout, and then we don't know the machination for those first-round picks for next year. Yep. And why why not wait? You know, why do that now, right. I guess? It's it's not the kind of trade that I would necessarily make right, right now. I don't dislike it, but I'm climate, just saying, right. yeah. Um, all right, so this may be the boldest one I saw. Okay. All right, brace yourself, because it's a one-for-one at the similar position, which you rarely oh, I, see. Yeah, this. I don't. Yeah. And you and you'll know right when I say it. You'll know wh- why it was executed in a one for okay. one. Cooper Cup for McCole Hardman. What? Yes. So this is going all in on McCole Hardman. Yeah, it being is. a breakout player. So you can see why the McCole Hardman owner says, "Okay." <laughs> Well, yeah. Cooper Cup. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is, I mean, the more I've broken this down, I mean, McCole Hardman has an uphill climb to achieve, and this is already accounting for the Chiefs' offensive prowess. I mean, it's just going to be tough. I mean, at best, he's the number two receiver. You're giving him full credit. For what he hasn't done. You're paying, right, for, for something that he hasn't done. You're paying... Well, you're playing for the flash. You're paying for the flash, Katie. Yeah. This is this exactly. Is, this sounds it's like, like you tried it's to... like going. It's like you're going into a store, and the price is marked two dollars, and you offer the guy two hundred dollars. <laughs> right? No, I mean it's it's like that. I don't know if you... it's that bad, but but yeah, well... I mean, but this is or this is going in. I think it's a Family Guy thing where he's like, "Here's a blank check. Write anything you want on it." <laughs> <laughs> it's that sort of thing. Oh my God, this is amazing. But yeah, like Cooper Cup is the uh, the antithesis of flashy, right? And McCole Hardman right. is everything flashy. But what does Cooper Cup do? He delivers. Exactly. He's gonna keep. He's, got the he's gonna keep turning out for the next hands. two, three years. You watch. He's just gonna keep logging it. You know, keep putting up those numbers. And McCole Hardman. We know him personally. Maybe we he have does. Talked maybe to him yeah. personally. We know that Cooper Cup is a grinder. He's a worker. Um, All he, he does his is get family. Open. He's got the bloodline. Yeah, I mean that dude is. The, he's a lunch pail. The dude type knows guy. how to run around. The dude knows how yep. to separate, even though he ran four six something. <laughs> yeah, all, even he, all he, he did was get behind even guys though he and lied to all you. week. <laughs> yeah, even though he lied to you on on uh, Twitter, 
uh, when you asked oh, him. Oh, did he? What did I ask him? You asked him what he was going to run for a 40 time, and, and he said he was in the 4 force. And, yeah. well, hand, and then hey, he ran hand, four six having, having a family member hand time you. I mean, <laughs> yeah, when did he start? I don't really know. You know, you yeah. just chop off that 10th. Yeah, my thumb's missing Not the button quite here sure. a little bit. Get that friendly home, <laughs> home, home field track, fast track, wind behind you. Wind aided. There you go. Olympics wouldn't count it as an official time. Uh, oh, I know what I was going to say on the last Debbie point. <laughs> Sorry. It's Cooper Cup uh, <laughs> No, it's not. But it's it's talking about somebody that I was drafting in Debbie leagues two to three years ago who has just been on the back burner uh, because he had great issues at USC. But Josh Bebe, and I tagged you in a post uh Jason DiRienzo over at Debbie Watch was, was saying, this guy has a 47-inch vertical. This guy for Illinois, you know, he can separate. He's He's got some crazy routes and he's got ups. And I was like, I love that guy. I've had him on so many of my Debbie rosters for two or three years, and now he's finally starting to get a little bit of buzz. But that's the nice thing about Debbie, too, is if you do take a chance on a, on a guy and you stash him, don't just cut him because... Mm-hmm. Maybe he's got a transfer, or he's taking a longer path. Unless he retires to get there. from football, uh, completely. exactly. Keep him on your taxi squad. Yeah, he transferred. He transferred, he transferred from, USC from USC to, to Illinois. Illinois. You know his br- yeah. and, and his brother is still on the radar. Like he's he's coming back. He's had a bunch of injuries. Um, Daniel. Anyway, but yep. but yeah, the point is, don't lose track. I mean, these guys that you think have talent and builds and athletic potential and all this stuff. I, Tyrell Shavers, right? He just transferred yeah. from being a special teamer at Alabama, which now with all these first round picks, you say, well, you know, him getting on the field isn't necessarily a death sentence and saying he can't play. It means he's not as he's not as good as those guys. That's all it means. Right. And he's going to Mississippi State. You know, who knows? How yep. how that works out, and he you know might be a twenty two year old breakout or whatever, but uh, Alvin but still Kamara, on the map. Alvin Kamara transferred from Alabama yep. to Tennessee and then sat behind Jalen Hurd for th- yeah. the majority of his Tennessee career. And look at him now. Look at Isaiah I Crowell. Mean, I mean, right? Yep. He transferred it, out of out of relevance completely. Yep, out of Georgia. I mean, sometimes it can happen if if they're already on your roster, on your taxi squad. There's no harm right. in in keeping them. Yep, you got to stay patient, especially those deeper leagues, and they'll just be like, "Oh, I get sick to my stomach when I see them on my roster." Eh, you know, let the let the whole thing play Don't out. Because even if those are the type <laughs> of guys like Crowell, right? Even if he's an undrafted player by the NFL, if you think they yep. can play, you know, they got all the way. You kind of want to see how it works out. Let them, yep. let them, you know, completely flame out first. But it's nice to see my man getting a little bit of buzz. Yeah, I just I was tickled to see that. Well, last year he started to produce. He's on the. He's firmly yeah. on the radar. Yes, uh, I remember. We yeah, I remember we did some Devi show. You know, he, he he was an incoming freshman. I still remember that of a guy that was prototypically sized. And boy, look, he can his athleticism. You watch some tape, and you're like, he you know fits the profile. Now we're two three years later, and he is relevant. Yes. All right, we got a few more here. This is from David <laughs> Michael Thomas. Uh, so he traded Michael Thomas for Gardner Minshew. Josh Jacobs and the 101 in a two quarterback league uh, ended up taking Joe Burrow at 101. <laughs> you know how I feel about the Joe Burrow sure. pick, but uh, the the trade itself before taking Joe Burrow was, was I think, great. A good trade. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Well, I think even with Burrow, I mean, you say Jacobs. He can be worth yeah, as Jacobs much or more than Thomas you know, by next year. Yeah, so exactly. But Minshew, you know, we'll see if he's more than this year. You know, Burrow obviously gives 
gives uh, this owner a much better chance of having that that stable quarterback for you know years beyond now, uh, more so than Minshew. So he had, but you have three cracks, and Michael Thomas. You know, I mean, if he keeps churning it out, that's pretty much the one way that team can win that deal. Uh, all right, let's see. Uh, we got De- DeAndre Hopkins for, uh, from Kirby. DeAndre Hopkins and for Juju and a first, essentially, next year. How do you feel about that? Mm, it's it's not bad value. I think Juju will rebound. Yeah. Um, Juju is a very, a very gonna... high leverage one based on what didn't happen last year. And, you know, if it doesn't come back to what it was two to three years ago for Juju going to be interesting because historic yeah. track but you know just you really don't see a dip like that but you say you know what their quarterback situation went from hero to zero <laughs> pretty much for for the entire year so that's that's and he was transitioning from having antonio brown right. on his left to now being the guy and being facing the top corners on everybody's team so the the combination of both and he's still a very very young guy oh yeah uh so I wouldn't I wouldn't write him off, um, but yeah I mean I think that that trade could end up working out nicely for both teams. Chris Godwin cash out for Terry McLaurin and J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, I I would take the J.K. Dobbins side. Yeah, I think yeah Godwin we're seeing this window of just elite trade potential value right here, and I'm not anti Godwin, but it's interesting sometimes to see players that you like oh you know they're they're, they should be a nice sleeper and then they go to boy i think they're a a pretty big sell you know and that can happen within 12 to 24 months it's just interesting how you could turn on a player from saying i like them to now i don't like their cost yeah i mean i was on godwin when he was a debbie player um this is kind of our debbie episode chad we'll just keep talking (laughs) about where they went to school and how we remember watching them yeah but he was penn state just uh same as Allen robinson and Allen robinson had come out and looked good but there were a lot of other wide receivers at penn state black was he catching passes from uh from hackenberg or hackenberg and mcsorley I don't know if you know. McSorley, for the most yeah. part, um, I think Hackenberg was Allen Robinson's okay. uh, last year. Okay. And then, yeah, but they had a lot. Yeah. It was wide receiver U ish. You know. Yeah, they had a lot of so prospects much. there, and Dried and uh, most of them faded out. Well, now they're going to Clemson and Alabama and some places that they weren't necessarily going as much. Yeah. Uh, all right, we got one more, and this is a this is a big boy. Uh, we've got AJ Brown and Nick Chubb on one side, Katie. So you're automatically on edge. Someone's trading AJ Brown and Nick Chubb, uh, but the, what they did get they better get a boatload. They got some sense of a boatload here. They traded it for. I'll give you the picks and I'll say the players because one of them doesn't really make sense. Uh, they traded it for 101, 104, and 111 this year, and those turned into Jonathan Taylor. Jerry Judy at 104 and DeAndre Swift at 111. So wow. So the three wow. players though, JT and Swift and Judy. How do you think about that haul? Yeah, I would I would take the three versus the two. Okay. It, it, Taylor ver, you know Taylor versus Chubb. You know you can say that's relatively close, and then Judy and Swift for AJ Brown. Yeah. All right. Uh, any final thoughts about Devi or any of the trades that kind of perked up some sort of dynasty advice for folks here as we we get into August? Well, just that 
between now and August 4th, and it keeps pushing back because the CBA, the, the uh, lawyers are still tweaking with the language. Once it's all signed, then it's going to be seven days. And so they're originally talking August 1st, then August 3rd, now August 4th uh, for the uh, players to opt out. And there have been a lot of players opting out uh, for the Patriots and several other teams. And you know, it's it's not just the skill positions. You got to look at the offensive line. If if one team has a good running game and they lose two or three offensive linemen to the COVID opt out list, you know, they they're going to have practice squad players or second string guys there. What's that going to do to the offense, and how is that going to affect your fantasy skill position guy? Uh, there's going to be some guys that are just temporarily on the COVID list, like Keyshawn Vaughn, everybody's starting to say, oh, well, you know, might as well trade him. It's like you can find some buy opportunities in these crazy times right now, but I wouldn't panic sell and uh, I wouldn't panic buy either. You're, you're going to lose some players. Hopefully you'll be able to put them on IR just like you normally would. And then wait till the dust settles before you finally figure out, well, what do I need? Don't panic buy and don't panic sell. That's my advice. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, what I'm going to say is with waiver wires, you know, if they have been dormant or maybe less frequent, I, I imagine that steps up. If they're not weekly yet, they're going to be weekly runs the closer we get to the season. What I would say regarding the waiver wire is I would be reacting more personally to these opt-outs of – you know, is there someone that gets a little bit of a boost, you know, positionally or uh, on that depth chart with with someone out of the picture? Uh, you know, that would be something that I would be adapting to look for content at UTH, you know, in, in that regard with uh, with with analysis and, and reactionary and, and tangible takeaway. And then the other thing would be. Um, if someone though comes out with a you know positive COVID nineteen, it's still early enough before the season where it's not. It would be projected to impact week one. So what I would say is, don't treat that like a torn ACL or you know something that's going to affect the entire season where you need to overpay on the waiver wire. I still would would generally slow walk my way into bidding um, in the month of August where make some preemptive uh, moves or, again, things that may be impacted by opt-out more so than you know positive test results at this point because it's relatively early um, and the amount of, of lag time, even before they put on pads for, for padded uh, workouts and, and practice, is going to still be a, a decent ways in front of us, uh, relatively speaking. So just keep that in mind. I'm always one to, to not really recommend going, going heavy with your bidding uh, because I think this is the type of year, especially if you have added spots, and it, it's just going to be you know the unknown wilderness in terms of how much depth is enough this year. So you really want to make sure that you have avenues to address that at the longer we go along because the the depth you need to go to to field a quality team with buys, injuries, plus other avenues of players missing games could be at an all-time high this year. So just keep that in mind when you're setting your bids this time of year because you th those dollars can get incrementally more valuable as we get into the season and there's just more and more players missing that you're, you're going to need streamers, you're going to need the next man up mentality for your teams just like the NFL. 
So for Katie Flower at FM underscore Skyler399, I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Reminder to support the show, patreon.com slash UTH. Tim Torch is over there for a featured weekly show, and I put some bonus content up. As well as now, we're doing, you know, we'll probably have a couple in August, and it's going to be near weekly, if not weekly. We're going to have live VIP strategy session calls. You're going to be able to listen after the fact, but also a live call with me where we talk strategy on a weekly basis in season. And like I mentioned, we're going to have some strategy sessions in August as well. So get on board with that. Uh, If you want to support the show, uh, keep this ad free. So for Katie Flower, myself, Chad Parsons, until next week, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.